The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Hello, everyone. And, of course, we are in the throes of spring training. Pitchers have reported as of today and tomorrow, most of the position players will be getting there. And by the end of the weekend, these, we will have full squads reported to spring training and getting ready to start. And, wow, what a bunch of news going on. And, you know, this is the time of year when, as a player, uh, you really enjoy because you get to see the guys again. You get to it's, – it's kind of a laid-back atmosphere. And, you know what? All of the new offseason moves, all of the new players are coming in. It's a t- chance to really get to know all these guys, and it's 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 really a good time of year for everyone. And of course, uh, you know we we will be talking throughout spring training to many different teams and many different players, and watching all of these things take place and see what these offseason moves that some of these GMs made, how good they have been, and what they're going to look like. And of course, we can't predict the future, but we can definitely decide that. Uh, whether or not some of these moves were in the best interest of everything. So those are the things that we'll be figuring out in spring training. Today on the show, we will have Mark Feinstein from the New York Daily News, the beat reporter for the Yankees, joining us re- real soon. We also have Alden Gonzalez from covering the Angels for MLB.com out there in Arizona, and uh, we'll be talking to them a little bit about Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson and some of the things going out there. Uh, but the big news today, and we'll be talking about it after our guest as we close out the show, of course, is Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun, of course, the first player to defeat Major League Baseball in their new drug testing policy. And, of course, uh, lots of rumors, lots of things going on. And I will reserve my right to comment until I figure out everything that's been that's actually documented proof of what's going on instead of just trying to figure out like everybody else does, uh, making up, making up whatever I think might be happening. Um, so we'll talk about that to end the show today, but right now from Tampa, Florida, we have at the New York Yankee, Mark Feinstein, the New York daily news beat reporter for the Yankees. Mark, how's it going out there? I'm good, Jimmy. How you doing? I'm doing real good. You know, uh, like I said, the big news of today, of course, is Ryan Braun, um, and, and what happened there? Uh, tell me a little bit about. Have you, are you hearing anything from the players there, or was was the subject broached to any of the guys there about some of the news that came out about Ryan Braun today? Yeah, there was surprisingly a little buzz about it. You know, today was the first day for uh, position players to report down here at Steinbrenner Field, and uh, you know, a lot of it was a lot of hugs and handshakes and how was your offseason kind of stuff. Uh, the couple guys I I broached the topic with really didn't have much to say. Uh, it seems like, uh, sort of like you said, until all the facts are out, I think most guys are going to reserve judgment. 
Uh, you know, players typically don't speak out against players. Um, and the fact that, you know, the fact that they don't really have the information yet about, um, you know, yeah, he, he had the suspension overturned on um, what seems to be a technicality of how the test was handled. But, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's innocent, doesn't mean he's guilty. Uh, so I think people are just sort of reserving, reserving comment uh, as a whole, uh, not wanting to say something that, you know, without having all the information. Right, exactly. I think that's part of the, the wait and see and, and, and whether or not everything that we read is true, uh, which most of the time it, it, it usually isn't. But, uh, I th- well, you know, Joe Girardi, I've been reading some of his comments. I've been watching some of the things going on in spring training. Seems very, very positive uh, about the team that he has this spring. Tell me a little bit about what Joe's been telling you. Well, why wouldn't he be positive? I, you know, they, they've, they've upgraded their rotation with the addition of Michael Pineda and Hiroki Kuroda. Uh, you know, they, they traded away AJ Burnett, who, while he did have some good moments here, uh, last year were largely bad moments. So, uh, you know, they certainly improved their rotation. They've got six starters in camp who they believe in. Only five of them are going to be in the rotation, but they've got some depth there, uh, to protect themselves against some injuries. So, uh, you know, they've got a good staff. They obviously have the offense coming back, uh, as a whole. They're added Raul Abanez, brought back Andrew Jones to sort of form that DH tandem. Uh, you know, there's really not much intrigue in Yankee camp this spring. Uh, you look at, at, at their roster top to bottom, you know, with the exception of Bill Hughes or Freddie Garcia for the number five spot and maybe one spot in the bullpen, uh, there's really not much for them to decide. Lineup set, uh, rest of the bullpen set, rotation's pretty set, top four spots. So, uh, you know, it's just going to be business as usual of getting themselves ready for the season uh, and hoping to stay injury-free. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. As far as the pitch, let's talk about the pitching first. And I, you know, I look at their rotation, and you know, one of the strongest things the Yankees in their championship runs has always had is knowing their rotation. Number one, but number two, knowing that these guys, you know, it was pretty much a veteran-laden, uh, you know, starting staff. And I look at these guys this year, and I look at you know Nova, who left last year with an injury. Uh, there's a question mark about that. Phil Hughes had some injury problems. No one really knows about Pineda yet. And then Kuroda is a guy that, you know, is 37 years old. And tell me a little bit about, do you see, or do you feel like maybe that, uh, this rotation, despite the promise, there's a lot of question marks on whether or not there's, 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 there's a lot of health in this, in rotation. Well, you know, Joe, I think that's the case every year for the most part. If you look at where this team was at this point last year, you had CC Sabathia, who obviously is still here as their ace and, and the rock of their rotation. You had AJ Burnett, who was coming off of a, a you know, an up and down roller coaster type of a year and no one really knew what to expect from him. You had Phil Hughes coming off the 18 win season, very similar to the way Nova was coming off of his 16 win season last year. Uh, as far as the arm thing with Nova, the Yankees don't think it's an issue. It went away quickly, um, and they don't think his arm is going to be an issue in terms of injury this year. Uh, and after that, you had you know Sergio Mitre, Bartolo Colon, Freddie Garcia, and and young Ivan Nova, who was unproven at that point, uh, going for two spots in the rotation. So you know the fact that they have brought in Pineda, a lot of promise, hard thrower. Uh, obviously, in the first half last year, landed him on the All Star team, and he did fade in the second half. He's still only twenty two, twenty three years old, so. Uh, you know, the Yankees have made it clear they're not expecting him to line up here and be, you know, the lockdown number two guy behind CC just, you know, in his first year here. Um, they like what Corota brings in the veteran presence. They like what they have in Freddie Garcia uh, as sort of that security blanket. Um, so I, I think they like the depth that they have. And if you look at it, they're in better position now than they probably were a year ago 
Uh, and they ended up winning 97 games and, and having the most wins in the American League last year. Yeah, I think the biggest decision they may have to make, like you said, is at the end of spring training, if all five guys or all six pitchers are healthy, is what are we going to do? Because you can't send Freddie Garcia, you know, to, to the minor leagues, or you know, it, it, that, that's going to that's be one of those decisions that plays out as, as spring training goes on. Uh, if, if 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 at the end they have six guys that are healthy and throwing the ball well, uh, what do but, you, you know, think? You know, is the one other thing about their rotation that I think people overlook is that with the bullpen they've put together, obviously starting in the ninth with Mo and moving back with Robertson with Soriano. Uh, with Logan, you've got Corey Wade pitched very well last year, and in, in May or June, probably June, you'll add Jabba Chamberlain to that mix. Uh, you know, the Yankees have really turned it into a, a six-inning game the way they did, uh, you know, back in your time in 96 with, with Rivera and Wetland. Uh, so they don't need their starters. I mean, obviously, when CC takes the ball, they expect them to go seven, eight, even nine innings. But with the Garcia, with the Hughes, with the Nova, with Corota at 37, uh, even with Pineda as a young guy, they only need six innings out of their guys, and if they can get five and change, they can piece their way through there as well. So, um, you know, I think when you look at the rotation, they don't need them to go out there and give them seven or third, eight innings every night uh, because they do have such a strong bullpen unit. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about the bullpen. And, of course, the big news down there right now is Mariano Rivera, and the subject has been broken. It's been brought up. Mariano is this year last year. Tell me what you think by talking to him as far as what, what, you're, what you're hearing and, and how you see him. When you see him and you're speaking to him, what do you think? Well, you know, you always give a guy the right to change his mind, but I think right now he's decided that this is going to be his last year. When we talked to him the other day, and he said he made up his mind about three weeks ago, and whatever he does this season isn't going to change that mind, that tells me he's going to retire because – uh, Rivera is a guy who has said he does not want to be one of those athletes who hangs on at the end of his career, uh, who, who plays at a level any less than what he's been used to doing, which obviously in his case is to be the best closer in history. Uh, and and if, if this year's uh, performance, there's no impact on his decision, then there's no way to read that other than that he's going to retire. Because if Mo goes out there this year and pitches to a 6 ERA, well, obviously that would have an impact if he was planning on playing another year. So, uh, you know, he's 41. He's going to be 42 at the end of the season, you know, November. Uh, I just think his kids are growing up pretty fast. One of them's in college already. One's in high school. Uh, he's got another one. Uh, he's about 10, 11 years old. And I think he just, uh, I think he's been playing for a long time. Uh, he has nothing left to prove, obviously. And I think he's, you know, contract's up. And I think, uh, I think at the end of it, you're going to, you're going to have yet another Yankee retirement press conference next year for a member of the core four. It'll be their third year in a row. Now let me ask you a question. With 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 that being said, and with that probably looking like you know, I, I agree with you. I think this probably is his last one. What do the Yankees do as the season progresses, as far as getting someone else ready to take over that role? And who do you think that person is? Well, the one thing they've got going for them is that they have a lot of options. Um, you, you look at what David Robertson did last year, and you certainly say he's got the stuff and the mindset to be a closer. Uh, you know, he put up an ERA around one last year. Uh, led the league in strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, you know, he, he, he really had a, a phenomenal year. He showed the toughness to get out of, you know, bases loaded type jams. He needs to cut down on his walks, but most closers out there do. Uh, you know, again, you, you're, you can't compare whoever's next to the guy that they're following because he's the greatest of all time. So, uh, you know, Robertson, if he has another year this year, like he did in 2011, he could be the natural successor there. You've also got Rafael Soriano, who saved 45 games two seasons ago. So he's got that closer experience. Uh, you know, John Chamberlain was once thought of as a closer to be. 
Uh, the Yankees signed David Art, uh, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's going to be back by the end of this year. He could be a possibility. And there are going to be guys out there on the market. Um, you know, K. Rell will be out there. Ryan Hetzel will be out there. Uh, you know, potentially uh, a couple other guys, Houston Street, and you know, a couple other guys have options. So there will be plenty of guys for them to choose from. It's going to be important for whoever it is uh, that they try not to, you know, compare themselves to Mariano Rivera or have other people making that comparison because that's just an impossible spot. Yeah, yeah, that would not be a good thing. I don't think anybody, I think anybody that takes that position when they're asked that question just says, you know what, I'm just happy that I am following a legend because that's pretty much, you know, anybody that comes into that position, uh, it's it's going to be very difficult. I, I would almost compare it to when Tino came in to replace Don Mattingly. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you yeah. look look Joe Girardi filling Joe Torre's office, you know, our manager chair after he left. And, uh, you know, you've seen plenty of guys come in and have to follow the legend. And, uh, you know, it's not easy. But I think if it's somebody who's already here and established and uh, not a new player, so to speak, if it's a Robertson, if it's a Soriano, if it's a Jabba, if it's somebody like that, I think that'll help them at least because the Yankees know what they are. Their fans know what they are. Uh, there won't be the sort of, okay, now go be Mariano, because no one's ever going to be Mariano again. No, exactly. Uh, tell me a little bit about what, what you're seeing as far as uh, with the pitchers. Anybody that, uh, anybody that you see coming into this camp right now, or I know, and I know it's early, but as far as some of these younger pitchers, who can we look for if there is a couple injuries, or if there's some things that who should we keep an eye on as Yankee fans or, Yankee, you know, the, or fantasy players or whoever it might be? What are some of the young kids that are in this camp that you see that could possibly be up with the Yankees at some time this year? Well, you know, the, the problem, of course, always is that the Yankees don't always fill their, uh, you know, when they have a need, they don't always fill it with a young kid. I, I think they've taken their time with their youngsters over the past few years. And you go back to, to Chamberlain, to Hughes, Ian Kennedy, some of those guys were, you know, in places Montero, they're not going to rush these guys up. So then with Manny Benuelos and Della Matanzas are obviously the two guys that everybody has their eye on. Uh, they're both likely to start in AAA, but I don't think they're going to be rushed and uh, you know, if there is an injury, I could see other guys being given a chance to to move up. I, I'd say the one guy who's not necessarily a young prospect at this point, uh, anything but, but the guy who's who's caught my eye the most so far would be Hughes, um, who reported the camp in, in excellent shape. Uh, he really worked out, uh, you know, at, at very hard this winter at a at an institute in L.A. Uh, and you know, dropped about ten pounds and turned another you know ten or twenty into muscle. It seems so. Uh, he looks like he's lean, he's in shape, uh, and, and his arm feels good. And I think all of the questions last year that surrounded him with the velocity and his arm and the health, uh, you know, he really worked hard this winter to make sure that he wouldn't have to answer those questions again. So uh, I think if one guy looks to have a big turnaround here this year, it would be Phil Hughes. All right, let me ask you one last question about the pitching situation. Russell Martin, the catcher, what, what is his job like this year? Well, I think his job will be a little easier this year because he actually has a year under his belt, not only on this team, but with, you know, with three of the five or four of the six starting pitchers that are here with Hughes, Nova, CC, um, and Garcia. Uh, and then of the two new guys, uh, you know, he caught Corota in LA for three years. So, uh, he certainly knows him well enough. So, you know, obviously he and Pineda will have to work together to, uh, to establish a rapport, but, uh, you know, the fact that, that Russell Martin has, you know, ample experience catching five of the six guys should make it uh, an easier spring for him. You know, last year he was in the midst of rehabbing his hip, rehabbing his knee, learning an entire new pitching staff and adapting to an entire new league. 
uh, this year, all of that is out the window, and he's, uh, I think he's just going to be much more comfortable. Uh, and I think with Montero now in Seattle, uh, you know, there's a good chance that Russell Martin is going to be the Yankees catcher here for, uh, for the foreseeable future. They're, you know, they've talked briefly about potential contract extensions, uh, and I think at some point that, you know, that could very well happen. So I think, you know, I think Russell Martin is the catcher of the Yankees are looking for, uh, you know, to, to sort of step in here and, and take this job over for, you know, the next three or four years. Yeah, I think, I think if he gets that extension, I think you'll see, I think you'll, he'll get it sometime this year because they want to make sure that they have someone in place for these, these pitching staff can be comfortable. Well, listen, we are talking to Mark Feinstein of the New York Daily News, beat reporter for the New York Yankees. We will be back in one minute or two minutes to talk about the Yankees' offensive side of the ball, and uh, we will be back and talking to him in just a minute. to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports sports and medicine go hand in hand quite simply if you aren't up to your game health wise you won't be up to your game on the field that's where bruce the sports doc comes in dr bruce grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce, the sports doc, and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and we are talking to Mark Feinstein, Daily News reporter for the New York Yankees and in there in Tampa, and we talked a little bit about the pitching staff and some of the things that the Yankees are expecting for this year. Mark, let's turn our attention now to the the position players who are just reporting today. They will have their physicals, and they will have their first workout tomorrow. Uh, Man, I know these doctors that are giving these physicals, they're going to have quite a few guys to, to figure out here, and of course... 
you know, let's start with the biggest one, and, and it's A-Rod coming back. And yeah, I know he just reported today. Tell me a little bit about what uh, the talk is about A-Rod and, and what they're talking about as far as uh, him coming in after coming off the injury from last year. Well, you know, the the, uh, the thumb and the knee are both uh, seem to be healed from what we're told, uh, and everybody expects, you know, he's been working out all winter, he's been hitting with Kevin Long, and everybody expects that he's reporting in great shape and, you know, ready to, have to, to get back at it. Uh, but, you know, he's 36, going to be 37 this summer, and I think when you look at it, a year ago he came to camp in, quote-unquote, the best shape of my career, which you hear every year from every guy. Uh, but he looked at, you know, you, you saw him in, in March last year, getting the cover off the ball all spring, opened in April, and, and really, you know, got us to a great start, and it looked like, you know, he might be on his way to an MVP type of a season. Uh, tailed off a little bit when he hurt his knee, and eventually that required surgery, and he only played 18 games in the second half um, and didn't play well because, you know, the thumb injury, the knee injury, he just didn't he just didn't have that pop that he normally does. So, uh, you know, the question is, can he stay healthy? And, you know, unlike everything else, you, you can't predict injury. So if he stays healthy, there's no reason to think he can't still be a productive 30, 35 home run, 100, 110 RBI kind of a guy. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to see the 54, 156, you know, MVP type season again. Uh, but if he stays healthy, and I think they'll try to DH him a lot to make that happen, uh, you know, he's still going to hit fourth and he still should uh, be a productive player for them. Well, you're saying that he has his press conference tomorrow, so I'm sure you'll find out more. But I wonder if you're going to ask him the question about why did he go to Germany? Well, you know, it's interesting. I guess Kobe Bryant went to that same doctor for the same type of thing, and the Yankees approved it. So okay. whatever it was, it wasn't like anybody was trying to hide anything uh, or, or, you know, it doesn't seem like there was any shady business there. But, you know, the top athletes in the world who have all the money in the world are going to try to get the best treatment and the best, you know, medical advancements that they can find. Uh, you know, the Yankees, they approved it. They must have looked into it. I know everybody likes to look at everything Alex does with a, you know, sort of shady eye towards it. But uh, <laughs> this is one thing that seems, it seems to be something that was legit. I don't personally know much about, uh, you know, what, what he got in Germany in terms of the treatment. But, uh, you know, the Yankees approved it, and they didn't seem concerned about it. So uh, you may get asked a question or two about it. But I don't, I don't anticipate that will become a, uh, you know, the controversy of the week. Right. Well, and then you mentioned yesterday that uh, Derek Jeter had his press conference. And tell me a little bit about, of course, I'm sure it was boring as usual, but uh, tell me if there, anything that Jeter said yesterday that kind of maybe perked you up a little bit or made you, made you guys wonder what, what's going on. Yeah, we talked to Derek this morning for about 20 minutes, and he basically said, uh, you know, he was happy with the way his season finished last year, obviously after the 3,000th hit. You know, he hit about 330 down the, over the last two months or two-plus months of the season uh, with his on-base percentage over 380. So those are numbers that uh, he hadn't seen in about a year, a year and a half. Uh, he was happy with that, but at the same time, that's behind him, and he's got to try to do it again now. And, you know, he, he said that he comes into the season believing that he can do it. If he didn't think so, he wouldn't be playing anymore. So, uh, you know, Derek, like you said, he's not always the most interesting quote, um, but I think he's an honest guy when it comes to his own and he said that if he ever feels he can't play to the level he wants to play at, he won't play anymore. So, uh, and I believe, like Rivera, Jeter is one of those guys who won't limp to the finish of his career. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to be embarrassed out there. You know him. You played with him. Uh, you know he's not a guy who wants to be out there looking old or looking, you know, foolish. So, uh, you know, I think last year rejuvenated him to some extent um, that that he does still have that kind of play in him. Will he hit three thirty this year? Uh, probably not. Uh, but I think if he's 300 and 
if I'm based at a you know 370 clip, 360-370 clip, I think the Yankees would sign up for that right now. Yeah, well, I think the biggest question will be whether or not, you know, because he plays the, the toughest position where it requires the most range, uh, whether or not the shortstop position is going to be something that he may get through this year. But next year, with the last year of his contract, he may be, you know, that that swan song as the DH and, and do a lot more DHing and start getting somebody else ready to take over. And as far well, as that goes... one thing about that, though. A-Rod's going to need a lot of those DH at bats, much more than Jeter will. So I'm right. not sure that that's uh, necessarily the option. The other thing about Jeter is, look, he doesn't have the range he may have had when he was 25 or 30 or, you know, 33. Uh, and I don't think anybody's disputing that. But the one thing we learned during those three weeks that Jeter was hurt last year was he makes the routine play. And right. people take that for granted. Eduardo Nunez, who right now would be the shortstop if Jeter was to get hurt again, uh, you know, botched the ball hit right to him, had a ball hit right, you know, have a ball hit right to him, and airmail at the first base. Those are the plays that Jeter makes every time, and I think there's something to be said for that. Is he, you know, is he a Gold Gloves shortstop? No, but I still think he does enough at the position um, that I, I, I disagree with you. I think he will be the shortstop next year on a regular basis. Well, that'd be good. No, and one of the things too that you know you have to take into consideration too is, you know, I looked at a guy like Cal Ripken towards the end of his career playing shortstop, and even though they made him eventually move to third, the the ability that these guys have to read the ball off the bat to get that to get that anticipation is even better than being quick. And like you said, you know, uh, there there might be other guys that are quicker than him. But there's not other guys that read the ball off the bat as good as he does. And I think that's one of their strong points that people don't they, – they kind of overlook. Um, you know, one thing I can tell you right now, be, playing with him, you know, the year, that, or the year before he came up in 96, he made 43 errors. I mean, right. that, that was a situation where he, he, he completely improved there to a point where, like you said, if the ball is hit with, near him – He's going to get to it, and he's going to make the play, and, and that can't be said about everybody that plays that position. And I think, you know, the Yankees saw that firsthand last year with Nunez, uh, who I think, had, if I'm not mistaken, had 20 errors in limited playing time last year. So, uh, you know, I think, I think people take for granted the, the importance of being able to make that routine play. And the Yankees also have a plus in that Cano's range to his right is exceptional. So, um, you know, any balls right up the middle that a lot of teams may look at their shortstop to – uh, you know, be the one to try to go, you know, track that down. You know, the Yankees have Cano, and, and he plays he plays to his right exceptionally well. All right, let's talk about a little bit of other news that you know the Yankees had been looking around for players, and you know, out here in LA, the big the big news was Bobby Abreu was going to go back to the Yankees. There was some kind of a trade, possibly. AJ Burnett, of course, did not want to come out here, and that was supposedly why that deal died. So they went out and they got Raul Abanez. Tell me a little bit about. Where where Abanez fits in with this Yankee lineup? Well, you know they re-signed Andrew Jones to be sort of that fourth outfielder and uh, and and the DH, you know, the right-handed DH, uh, and then you brought in Abanez to, to be the left-handed DH. And I think between the two of them, uh, you know, the Yankees are, are hoping to get some pretty good overall production out of them. You know, the one difference for the Yankees lineup versus a lot of other teams is that you know this Yankee DH platoon is probably going to hit seventh. So. Uh, you know, with, with, with Swisher sixth and Martin and Gardner even ninth. So uh, it's not like the Yankees are looking to their DH to deliver David Ortiz kind of numbers or, um, you know, be, be, the, be the cleanup hitter or even a number five hitter. So if Jones and Ibanez can combine, you know, for 20, 25 homers and, you know, drive in a handful of runs and, and you know, just, just be a professional at bat in that DH spot, 
uh, you know, the, the Yankees will be very happy. I think they like Ibanez for his power, uh, obviously his ability to pull the ball uh, and hit it out of the park in the Yankee Stadium. That should, uh, you know, that should play well to his uh, to his swing. Mark, tell me a little bit about the AJ Burnett trade. Was that a very positive thing for everybody? How's that been talked about as far as as, as far as amongst the players go? I think it was. You know, the, the players all saying the right things about AJ, and you know, to some extent, I know he got a real bad rap in New York, and some of it was was well deserved. Uh, but you know, he did win a huge game for them, Game Two of the World Series in '09. Uh, he did come up big in some spots. Um, he just, you know, like the rest of his career, for the most part, he never quite lived up to the promise that that his stuff has. And you know, when you when you sign for eighty two point five million dollars and you go play in New York, you're expected to put all the rest of that aside and go win some ball games. And you know, he ended up one game under five hundred with the Yankees, right around that five hundred mark that has been his career. Um, he is what he is, and I, you know, think about. Um, what he did in New York, he did in New York. What he did everywhere else, and uh, you know, he got lucky that the, the one year he had a great year in Toronto was was the year he had that opt out, and he was able to cash in on it. Um, but I think years from now, people will look back and uh, and say, you know, he certainly didn't live up to the expectations here. But he wasn't look. He wasn't Carl Pavano. You know, Carl Pavano made forty million dollars for like you know twenty starts and four wins or something like that. So right. uh, you know, Burnett did win some ball games. Like I said, they don't win that World Series in 09 most likely without him. Uh, but it was time for him to move on. I think uh, they had seven starters for five spots, and unfortunately, with the money he was making, if he was here, there was going to be pressure for him to be in the rotation. So I think the rotation's in better shape with him elsewhere. Uh, I think he's probably in better shape going to a team like Pittsburgh where. There's obviously not the pressure to win that there is in New York. And he can be a veteran guy leading a bunch of kids and, uh, you know, maybe have a little more fun. Because I, I, as much as, you know, everybody loved the pies and all that, I don't think last year was fun for AJ. Right. All right, last question to you. It's the first time in seven, since 1997 that I know Gerard, Joe Girardi made a comment the other day watching batting practice. He felt a little bit empty because – Jorge Posada, for the first time, is not in camp and is retiring as a Yankee. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, since the pitchers and catchers have been there, any talk about that and, uh, you know, what's the lingering effects from Posada being gone now? Well, you know, Posada has sort of faded into, I won't say complete obscurity, but uh, he certainly wasn't the presence last year that he had been before. He had, you know, a rough year at the plate. Obviously, that the benching in mid-May certainly didn't, didn't go well, and for a while it looked like you know his Yankee career was going to end not by his choice, but uh, you know by a release or something. So uh, I think everybody was happy that he was able to go out on his own terms to some extent, you know, have the big retirement press conference at the stadium and all that. But uh, you know, he, he wasn't really as much of a factor uh, baseball-wise last year uh, as he had been in, in you know the 15 years before that. But his presence is certainly going to be missed. I think, you know, whereas Jeter is the captain and, um, you know, the lead-by-example kind of guy, as you know, Jorge was the kind of guy who will get in your face and say what needs to be said, uh, sort of his, uh, you know, his sergeant-at-arms, if you will. So uh, him being gone, I think, is going to have the biggest impact on Jeter because they're best friends and they would, you know, spend every day together, have lunch or go to Starbucks or whatever it was that they do. Uh, but I don't think baseball-wise it's going to have a huge impact because he was really only at the age last year, and uh, you know the, the Yankees expect to get more out of Jones and Ibanez than they did out of Pisano last year. All right. Well, listen, that sounds like things are pretty good. You know, I'm looking at this ball club I'm on paper, and uh, you know, if if all things work out, um, 
you know, what's what's your prediction? I know my prediction would be that these guys have a have a real good chance of winning this division. What's your prediction? I mean, it's hard to say they don't have a real good chance to win the division, but it's a good division. Boston's going to be where they were last year, pre-September, I think, uh, and be a pretty dangerous team. Tampa Bay's pitching is probably the best in the division, starting rotation-wise, uh, and they've actually added a couple of bats with Pena and Scott, so I think they're going to be just as dangerous. Uh, and even Toronto, you know, they, they, they keep getting close and, and putting things together. So, uh, you know, do I think the Yankees make the playoffs? Yeah, I do. But uh, but I don't think it's going to be easy for them to get there. All right, Mark. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Get back to that beautiful weather there in Tampa, and we will definitely be talking again as the spring training progresses. But thank you for joining us today. You got it, Jimmy. All right, man. That was Mark Feinstein, New York Daily News, beat reporter for the New York Yankees, giving us everything Yankees. And, of course, uh, you know, just like everywhere else, the, the, when you report to spring training at this time of year, everything is positive. Everything looks rosy and everything looks bright. And, uh, you know, we'll be, I'm sure we'll be checking in with Mark as, as spring training progresses to find out really what's going on uh, with the Yankees and whether these guys are staying healthy and what to look for in 2012. So, we will be right back. Uh, we are waiting for Alden Gonzalez, the MLB.com site reporter for the uh, Los Angeles Angels, hopefully joining us as we come back from break. If not, we will start talking a little bit about Ryan Braun and, of course, the big news in baseball today about Ryan Braun and, and, and winning his case against the Major League Baseball. So we will be back in about two minutes and talk to you then. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done. And Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit nflalumni.org. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network. And let's talk football. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. We are back. We are waiting for Alden Gonzalez, the Angels MLB.com site reporter. Uh, he was going to join us at the beginning of the hour, 930, but uh, with the position players reporting today, I know he was in the conversation with Albert Pujols. We'll ask him that when he comes in here, but uh, he will be telling us everything Angels baseball. And as we progress, as the spring training goes on, um, I'm going to try to give my listeners every team that we possible that we can cover uh we'll try to get to all 30 teams as the season goes on as the spring training goes on and uh try to figure out and give even our fantasy players that are out there the best information that we could possibly give but uh you know i, I know one thing living out here in los angeles now and and, and actually closer to anaheim um this was probably the biggest spring training for the angels uh anticipation wise and all just because of all the new things. Number one, the new new GM, uh, some of the new people that he brought in. Uh, of course, the biggest news was Albert Pujols. And then, of course, on the eaves of Albert Pujols was the signing of C.J. Wilson. All of these great things that happened to these guys, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of expectation there, just like we talked about Mark Feinstein with the Yankees about their anticipation of what they got going. Uh, but for the Angels, I look at it a little bit more as, there's a lot more question marks. There's a lot more new things to gel. You know, we always talk about uh, it doesn't necessarily, if you have the best players, it doesn't necessarily result as wins on the field. And I think that's going to be a big thing with this Angel Ball Club this year is fitting in as far as the, the, the chemistry, as we always call it, and whether or not uh, that's going to happen quickly or if it's going to take some time. You know, we got a, they got a new catcher coming in, Chris Iannetta, who has to learn a new staff uh, and things like that. So there's a lot of question marks that we will be asking Alden uh, as soon as we can get a number from him to where we can call him and uh, and just ask him everything angels. Um, I had a nice conversation yesterday with the other 
team here in L.A. with Don Mattingly. And Donnie was telling me about the excitement that they have over there in L.A. just about the Dodgers this year. And, of course, uh, some of the news. And uh, we're going to cover some news right now just as far as uh, what's going on with the Dodgers as far as their ownership. And it looks like another group has finally backed out. And, of course, Joe Torrey's group seems to have backed out on their bid to obtain the Dodgers. So, um, you know, slowly but surely, that Steve Garvey, the Oral Hershizers, and some of these other people that are still in the in the running for this team, looks like that that, that may be who uh, keeps the Dodgers going and, and gets them going back in the right direction. So I was talking to him a little bit about their camp, and, of course, it was just pitchers and catchers. Um, but a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement going on there also. And they didn't make any of the big moves, but they, of course, have Clayton Kershaw coming back. They have, you know, Matt Kemp, who was the runner-up, the MVP. Uh, and the Dodgers did a lot of good things, a lot of, a lot of little minor things that weren't the big names, but a lot of small-name players that come in there and make that team even more effective. And I think that was one of the things Donnie was talking about was he was looking forward to getting in these players uh, once the position report, players report today, uh, getting them in and uh, seeing what he's got. And, uh, you know, as much as he knows the players, he had to, of course, you know, uh, figure out where, they, where they're going to fit in, how much playing time they're going to get, and really what, uh, you know, how to use these guys most effectively. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have in spring training is, is for these managers and these coaches to figure out uh, the best spot for these players. So we will see what happens with that. And, of course, uh, like I said before, we are going to try to cover every team. I think uh, probably when games start on March 2nd, uh, I'm going to take a little trip out to Arizona and uh, try to meet with as many players. Because one of the most difficult things at this time of year, especially with a radio show from 9 to 10 o'clock in the morning, um, is to be able to get players on the show. And I have got a couple emails just recently from some of, pe- some of the people that um, – they wanted me to get more players on here, uh, more more interviews with guys. And so we're going to try to do that for you. We're going to try. I'm going to go out to spring training. I'm going to try to get six, seven, eight guys, interview them, and, of course, play those interviews on the show for you because I know, uh, th- like I said, I try to keep my emailers happy. Uh, and, you know, I've been starting to finally get some emails. And, of course, listen, if you want something, if you want a certain player, if you want a certain general manager or things like that, email me at info at jimlayritz.com, and I will get those people here for you one way or another because, of course, as we build this show, as we try to get this thing going, we want as many people to be happy and to be tuning in as much as possible. So uh, shoot those emails to me you know, and, and daily if you can. And, of course, like I said, ask your questions. If you have a certain player you want to talk about or you, or you want me to interview, give me some questions. I'll ask your questions. I'm not afraid to do that. Um, so, you know, these are some of the things that uh, over the next couple of weeks, you guys, my, my listeners, are going to have an opportunity to interact and actually be a part of this show. Uh, so send those emails to me as soon as possible. And we'll, like I said, come March, we'll start getting all those things on. So uh, we are going to take a quick break here. Uh, we're going to try to get Alden on the line so we can talk a little bit about the Angels. If we do not and are not successful, 
We will come back after this break and we will talk about Ryan Braun and what Major League Baseball is going through right now. So we will be back in just a minute. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, and just like I promised, we have Alden Gonzalez, site reporter for the Los Angeles Angels for MLB.com, in Arizona, ready to give us everything Angels. Alden, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing all right, man. Listen, I understand the catchers and the pitchers have reported. They've been there for a few days. The position players don't report till Sunday. Tell me a little bit about what you've seen so far, and what is the big news Right now, uh, they're in Angel Camp. Well, I guess the big news in Angels Camp is the same big news that was going on in Angels Camp last spring, and that's um, pretty much the recovery of Kendrick Morales, which is actually going pretty well. And I know a lot of people would be skeptical about that because it was going well last year before those hiccups. But he's been running on the field, no pains. He hasn't had that next day swelling, which was a really big problem for him last year. And Sosha was talking about it today, about how he, he can see him getting maybe 60, 70 plate appearances in spring and hopefully open up the season on their big league uh, roster. Maybe not start day one as the cleanup hitter like they envisioned. Maybe start down in the lineup a little bit and then kind of work himself up to batting cleanup. So his progress has been going good. Um, Mark Trumbo, who's the other guy who's recovering, he's been fielding some ground balls at third. They're waiting until he gets medically cleared to do full-on baseball activities on the 28th. And Pools is here. Pools arrived, obviously, a few days early. And n- not much else. The, the pitchers and catchers just throwing the bullpen sessions, PFPs, you know. You're very familiar with that, the normal part of spring. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, tell me a little bit of now. Okay, well, let's talk about the pitchers and catchers. And tell me a little bit about, uh, have you had a chance to talk to C.J. Wilson and kind of get his feelings for, for everything that's going on and how he feels I, I know we talked to him before before he went to camp, but now that he's in camp and got to see some of the guys, uh, have you had a chance to talk to him a little bit? 
Yeah, yeah, I have had a chance to talk to CJ. He, he's excited about being here, um, no, no doubt. I mean, just to be a part of a rotation like this with Weaver and Dan Heron and um, and Irvin Santana, I mean, he's really looking forward to that. He, he didn't really know the guys too well, actually. You know, talking to Jared and Dan, they, they kind of said, you know, they admitted when, when he was over in Texas, you know, we didn't really like him too much because we didn't like anybody who played for the Rangers. But ever since coming in the camp, they've really taken a liking to CJ. You know, he's a, he's a likable guy. He has a locker right next to um, – th- their lockers are all right next to each other, Irvin and Jared and Dan. And, you know, w- one thing that CJ was talking about was that he can learn something from all of these guys, you know, and they could kind of all push each other because they're so competitive. And when you have so, so many competitive guys in a rotation that are that good, you know, they kind of try to one-up each other. And um, specifically, like, for example, Jared Weaver, he has one of the best change-ups in the game. C.J. Wilson, the change-up has not been his, his best pitch over the years. He's trying to develop that change-up, and he feels like, you know, Jared could help him out with that. Dan Heron, he throws a really good split-finger fastball. Uh, C.J. Wilson was never able to throw a split-finger fastball. He always had problems with that. So he just feels like he can learn so much from these guys. And being, being part of such a great group, those are kind of some of the advantages. Yeah, well, speaking of learning, let's talk a little bit about, have you had a chance to talk to Chris Iannetta and about how he feels about now being there? He's had a chance now to see some of these guys, catch him in the bullpens a little bit, talk to them. How's he? Have you had a chance to talk to him a little bit about how he's feeling being here in camp? Yeah, he's um, he's a busy guy this spring. I mean, he's. Uh, I did get a chance to talk to him a little bit. Um, he, he's got a lot of, he's probably going to be the busiest guy in Angel Spring training just because, I mean, it's not just switching over to the new league and all that stuff. It's learning a whole new staff. And look, I mean, it makes it easier that he's in a staff with a bunch of veterans who kind of know what to do. They know what they like to pitch and what counts. They know how to prepare for the season and all that stuff. So all of this for Chris is kind of, you know, learning tendencies, learning what they like to do and just learning more about these guys. So, it's been funny to see him. He's been going, you know, from locker to locker, just kind of, he has his little notepad that he has, and he's been just constantly jotting down notes, talking to Dan, talking to Jared, talking to all these guys. He doesn't know any of these guys very well. He he kind of knows Dan Heron when he pitched for Arizona, and Chris was in Colorado, so they kind of faced each other. But that's pretty much it. And, you know, Chris was brought here mainly because he, he's going to be an offensive upgrade behind the plate, and obviously the Angels really struggled offensively at catcher last year. But, you know, one of the things, Jeff Mathis, who he replaced, one of the things that he did do well was kind of work well with the pitchers, and the pitchers kind of liked working with him. So that's something that Chris is trying to catch up on. But everything I've heard from him in Colorado and everything that he's told me, for him, defense and chemistry with the pitching staff comes first, and that's just something that he gives the utmost of priority. And I know the guys in Colorado really like him. Yeah, I think he's going to I, definitely, give him, like you said, be the upgrade offensively. And, you know, it, with that pitching staff, it is. It is just a matter of familiarity, and more than anything else, you're not teaching. And I know he mentioned. You know, he talked a little bit about when he first came over, how difficult it was because he was almost trying to teach guys to be better. You know, because there was such a young yeah. staff out there in Colorado. He now right. has an opportunity to concentrate a little more on his offensive side because there won't be that learning process so much, except more just about getting familiar with what these guys like to throw. Yeah, and that's something so, he said. He's like, you know what? It's just all about. What the way he put it was, you know, for me it's just what can I do for you? You know, what 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 can I do for you, CJ, Jared, and Dan, to help make your life better? They know what they're doing. They they've had successes in the league. It's just about how Chris can kind of facilitate them once the games go on. Right, and that's going to be a big thing. And now we talk about the pitching staff. We talk about you know 
spring training. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of fun things to look at and predict and possibly. Uh, the signing of Jason Ingerhausen. Tell me a little bit about that. And do you think this does, does he have a chance to make this ball club? I think he has a very good chance to make this ball club. Just uh, talking, um, listening to Mike Sochan talk about Jason yesterday and where he fits in. He really likes Jason. Um, obviously, it's all going to depend on how he throws. But, you know, he signed a minor league deal, and, you know, he really doesn't have any intentions of going down to AAA. So he either makes the club or he doesn't, or he goes home, basically. Um, so from what I heard from the Mets um, from last year, you know, he had a healthy arm, going upper 80s, mixing his curveball up. But he was, the only thing that bothered him really was his back. You know, it was his first full season from Tommy John, but his arm felt good. He had back problems throughout September, though. So that's really the issue. But he said he came into camp. He said he's lost 25 pounds. He was at 250 last year. He's at about 225. He said the back the feels back really good so far. And I think he has a fit in this bullpen if, if he could really show something because, you know, the Angels, they, they wanted to upgrade the bullpen a little bit more than they did. Make no mistake. You know, they just, they didn't really have the pay, payroll flexibility to sign guys like Brad Lidge and Luis Ayala and Francisco Cordero, guys who could have been more depth guys. You know, giving social a little bit more depth leading up to Jordan Walden. Um, so Jason Isinghausen was a nice, was a very nice buy low option, especially to get him this late in spring. You know, I think he could be a really good pickle for him. He doesn't pan out. Oh well, he doesn't pan out. He only came on a minor league contract. But just hearing social talk about him, it, it seems like at least in the early part, he's looking at him as a right-handed option. You know, leading into Jordan Walden along with Detroit Hawkins, who was also signed in December. Right. Well, I think there's a lot of positive things. Of course, you know, Angel Camp has got to be excited. There's got there's so much good stuff going on there. Uh, the last thing, I, the one thing I want to do talk to you about, the, maybe the only dark spot, is what's going on with the Bobby Abreu situation. Of course, when players report on Sunday, how do you think that's going to play out? You know what? In speaking to a lot of the players um, who've known him over the years since he came over to LA, you know. One thing that I keep hearing about the players is that what Bobby Brady told ESPN that day about, you know, you're playing your trade me, kind of was a little bit out of character. I mean, everything that I've gathered so far, even off the record, um, is basically that he's not a guy who's going to come in and pout and start trouble. You know, and I'm sure he's frustrated, and, you know, Mike understands it too, that, you know, he's a guy who's used to playing every day, and sometimes, sometimes when players get towards the end of their career, they're usually the last one to kind of figure out that they're not everyday players anymore. You know, it's kind of that it's kind of that, that confidence, that pride that kind of gets you to that level. Sometimes when you're towards the end, the the the, the, the skills diminish, but the pride is still there. And that's kind of the situation with Bobby Abreu. He's not going to be an everyday player here. I mean, even right. if uh, Kenji Morales cannot come back and be a DH, or Mark Trimble can't stick at third, there's not an everyday spot for him here. There's just too many options at DH. The outfield is set. The problem yeah, often becomes you can't really move him right now. He's owed nine million dollars on his contract. So if you're going to trade him, you pretty much got to pick up about eight million dollars right at this point because anything who wants to sign a Bobby Abreu would have gone out and tried to sign a Hideki Matsui or a Johnny Damon. Those guys are still out there in free agency. So at this point, I think the way Jerry Depoto sees it is we're not going to absorb a huge chunk of Bobby Abreu's contract so he could help somebody else. The Angels still think that he's a guy who could really help them because, you know, he brings that lefty bat. The Angels don't have many lefty bats. He still knows how to work the count, and that usually translates well to somebody coming off the bench and hitting because he could work the count and he could, he could, he could, he could kind of adjust to coming off the bench better. He could, he 
could fill in spot starts at DH, maybe sometimes play the corner outfield. So he's still kind of valuable to them. Is it the role that he wants to play in? Obviously not. But I guess they're hoping that once he gets into camp, once he gets to speak to Mike Social directly and kind of get the feel for the team, maybe those feelings linger a little bit. There's obviously still the, the possibility that he could be dealt. It's just hard to see right now where he fits on another club. All right, so overall, Angel Camp looking pretty good so far? All good so far, man. Everything's great. The guys have been great. Um, it's good. I mean, we're anticipating position players coming in a couple of days, so that should be exciting. All right, Alden. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time. We will definitely check back in with you because I want to do, I really want to see how this progresses uh, with Albert Pujols being there and the excitement that's going to be for Angel Baseball this year. So thank you for joining us, and we will definitely be back in touch with you. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. All right. That was Alden Gonzalez, site reporter for the Los Angeles Angels for MLB.com. Listen, what a good show. Uh, I apologize again. We did not have a chance to get to the Ryan Braun topic. But to be honest with you, I think in a way it's kind of good because by next week when we have the show, we will know more. We will know probably more of the truth instead of what just was been put out there so far. So I think next week we will really broach that topic, and I will try to get someone uh, that is either in Milwaukee, the Brewers' camp, or possibly even Ryan Braun himself to be able to talk about that. So we will definitely uh, follow that situation starting next week. But listen, it is time to close out the King's Corner. You have been talking baseball with Jim Layritz. We look forward to talking to you next week. See you then. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend.